From 1011 Now and the 1011 Studios in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Podcast. Fresh and rejuvenated. The bye week is gone, and now it's Indiana week for the Huskers. Fresh and rejuvenated, not just the Nebraska football team, but also... The media members as well. We're <laughs> feeling good today. Dan, you had a baby shower. I got to watch a lot of uh, youth volleyball. I mean, life is good, huh? Yeah, I sat and watched some games in a garage in Iowa back home, and it was great. Michigan, uh, Penn State provided a great game, and Wisconsin lost. How about that? That was uh, The funny thing is, I had the opportunity to go to that Illinois game in which the Fighting Illini beat Wisconsin. It's homecoming. At Illinois. This is my alma mater. So there were some good friends of mine that were going back, and uh, I gave that a thumbs down because I had already been to Champaign once, and I figured that might be enough for the season. Um, but that comes to be a big, big game for the Big Ten landscape as Wisconsin now has an uphill climb to make the college football playoff, in which they were a part of that discussion prior to that game. Well, in my mind, it opens up the door for the Big Ten West. I'm not saying Nebraska is right back in it, but... We thought Wisconsin was probably going to run the table in the Big Ten West and and lose to Ohio State and have one conference loss. Now, if they lose to Ohio State, that's two conference losses in which Iowa has right now, and of course Minnesota is undefeated in Big Ten play. So let's talk a little bit more about the Big Ten Conference in a few minutes, but let's bring it right now on Nebraska. That bye week came at a really good time because the Huskers were licking their wounds from what happened up in Minneapolis. Back to fundamentals is what the team said that they use those extra practices for, just to focus on some of the specific skills and have a bit of a, bit of a fall camp-like feel. Now it's game week again, and it seemed like this team mentally took a big shift over those last five days. Well, we w- talked about it last week, and you said it was maybe a red flag that the team needed to get away from each other. True or not, I th- I, or right or wrong, I think that was true, that they did need to get away from each other. And uh, the coaches, coaching staff needed to get out of the office, get on the recruiting trail, and I, and I feel like it was good for everybody. Now, can Nebraska translate that to the actual game? Austin Allen said he went hunting. He's a big outdoorsman, so that's one of the things that he got to do on Saturday. DiCaprio Boodle talked about how he just sat in front of the TV on the couch all day and just kept flipping from game to game to game, and he enjoyed watching a lot of college football. So these guys, they truly went their own separate ways. However, prior to Saturday, the week of practice, there was focus on fundamentals, as we just mentioned, but also it seemed like the good on good, some of those scrimmage opportunities, they did more of that which I think probably cranked up the competition. And we know that this coaching staff was really taking a close look at some of those underclassmen. Can they make a push, and could they possibly be inserted into the starting rotation for the second half of the regular season? Scott Frost keeps getting asked about specific true freshmen that could possibly play the last stretch of the season because remember the new red shirt rule that you can play in four games and still use your red shirt. He was asked specifically about Bryce Benhart and Ethan Piper along that offensive line. I know that's been a major concern for Nebraska fans and probably the coaching staff this year is when will the offensive line get better? But you can't insert an 18- or a 19-year-old on the offensive line in the Big Ten, especially the last couple games of the season against defensive fronts Iowa and Wisconsin, and and expect better results. So I feel like what you see now or who the personnel is on the offensive line, that's what you're going to get the rest of the year. You know what freshmen on the offensive line are? They're a really cool toy on the shelf at Christmas time. You want it? 
But then if you get it, you might start playing with it and realize it's not as good as you really thought it would be. Well, and, and, you, and you know it's going to be a lot better in two or three years. That's right. <laughs> that's right. But at, at the time, it looks so good, and it's something you really, really want. But you My, gotta re- they're going to be lined up against 325-pound defensive linemen from Wisconsin, Iowa, and the remainder, uh, the remaining opponents ahead for Nebraska. And that's what Scott Frost is saying. Yes, he likes these guys. He likes them long-term, but right now, it may not be an upgrade from, say, a Bo Wilson, Trent Hickson, Cam Jurgens. My thought process is if they're really, really good, they would be playing right now. Already. Yes, that they would not use their redshirt season because Nebraska needs the help right now. And it's not like all of a sudden that you're going to play this this true freshman that's still going to use his redshirt and, and the light switch is just going to flip. And it's not like the coaching staff doesn't know this, to your point, that yes, they would already be playing. And it's not like the, the coaching staff is so loyal to those five guys up front, because we have seen other faces rotate in. Brock Bando got quite a bit of time at Minnesota. He did. Granted, yeah. it was in the second half, and they needed to try other things. So the coaching staff isn't naive to their deficiencies on the offensive line. And I thought Scott Frost had a, a pretty sneaky good quote during the middle of the press conference on Monday, where he, when he was talking about the offensive line, he said, at times, I wouldn't want to be the quarterback back there with that offensive line. If you, He kind of just snuck it in there. If you weren't paying too close of attention, you might have missed it. Scott has obviously played quarterback, and I think he knows that Noah Vedrill, Andrew Bunch, Adrian Martinez, the guys who have taken snaps for the Huskers this season. Luke McCaffrey has once. Um, but they kind of have a bit of a chore with those blitzing defenses and some of the frontline push of the other teams that it's made life hard on the quarterbacks. Well, I mean, just look at it on paper. Yeah, your tackles have experience with Hymas and Farniak, but other than that, I know Bo Wilson has played in some games before, but Cam Jurgens is a converted tight end. He's playing center for the first time in college, and I think we've seen the first result of First time of, of his career. Absol- That's yeah, not his high school position. His career, absolutely. And so Nebraska has a long ways to go uh, on the offensive line, and we talked with Brody Belt, running back from Omaha, who finds himself on the depth chart this week, about maybe what specifically they're working on in practice as far as to get that running game going and and expect to see Nebraska try and use inside zone because Nebraska really needs to find two or three runs that work all the time. And right now, they don't have that other than the quarterback run game. And Scott Frost has said, you know, that, that – Adrian or Noah running is great in certain situations, but we don't want that to be our best running plays, and right now they are. So Brody Belt is on the depth chart for this week's game against Indiana, as is Wyatt Mazur, Ramir Johnson, and Diedrich Mills at the IBEX spot. The missing name there is Maurice Washington. Scott Frost said on Monday that Maurice Washington currently is not with the program. He will not play against Indiana. However, the door is not completely closed on Washington's return with the Huskers. It does not sound like it will happen in the immediate future. Is this a result of his ongoing legal case? Absolutely not. There have been some decisions, some things that have happened within the walls in the Nebraska football locker room in which this has been a result of it. There have been decisions by the player. Maurice Washington, and then some consequences issued by Scott Frost. Let's just jump right into Scott Frost, one of his uh, best sound bites when addressing the situation with Nebraska's sophomore Iback. I wouldn't do anything different. Um, I wish things would be a little different. Listen, uh, Coach Osborne was this way. He wasn't quick to crumble kids up and throw them away. Um, 
some of the kids that are in some of those situations, if, if they're gone out of this program, um, that road doesn't lead to very many good places. So as long as I'm here, I'm going to try to help these young men as much as I can. That's the promise I make to their parents when I sit in their living room and tell them we're going to try to help them no matter what. There's certain things that they know if they do, I'm not going to help them, and they're on their own. Um, but I, I want what's best for all these guys. So we're going to try to continue to help them as long as they can be helped. And um, there always comes to a point where you have to throw your hands up and say, we tried. But uh, in, until then, we want to do what's right by them. Cause I think that's the right thing to do. And um, we certainly try to do everything we can for Mo, and hopefully it works out well. Maurice Washington had a few in-game uh, suspensions earlier in the season. Think back to the season opener. And then also against Northwestern, he did not play in the first half of that game. The body language in that game from Maurice was not the best. Uh, Dan, and there's a shot that we have from our cameras up top looking down where the team is all on the sideline, very engaged in the game. He is by himself on the Nebraska bench, one arm out to his right, the other arm out to his left, and he's just – what the kids would say is chilling. Yep. In the middle of a very close Big Ten game. Yeah, that's not the body language that you want to see. And and even in that game against Minnesota, um, they wanted to utilize him right away from the get-go. Um, a lot of people thought it was maybe curious. They thought that could be a Diedrich Mills-type game where you got the hard-nosed physical running back. Instead, the coaching staff went with Maurice to start the game and I mean, it did not look like he was too interested in that game either. It's unfortunate. Uh, you heard Scott Frost there. And, and um, you know, the ball has been in Moe's court a lot of times in his career at Nebraska where the coaching staff wants him to succeed in Lincoln and, and go on to bigger and better things. But Scott Frost said on Monday that there's only – so much you can do before you have to throw up your hands and say, we tried. And, and that is so evident that this coaching staff has tried so hard to make it work with Maurice. And, and we'll see what happens. We don't know if, if he's gone for good. Uh, the door is still open, only just a sliver probably right now. So you don't want to say he's gone for good. but He's still just, enrolled at Nebraska yeah. in attending classes, as far as Scott Frost knows. A, again, like the ball is in his court because they have made it a point that maybe, just maybe, he could come back, if not for future years. But does Maurice want to want to uh, make the sacrifices that the coaching staff is asking him to do. The really unfortunate thing with the way this Maurice Washington situation is playing out is the fact that as his legal case came to light earlier this year, and then it continued to be a conversation piece throughout the spring, throughout the summer, and then into this season, and his court hearing has been delayed on multiple occasions. I don't know of too many Division One head football coaches in college that would have continued to invest in a kid with a legal case in the severity of Maurice Washington's. I think a lot of coaches would probably let that player go. But Scott Frost, I think for the overall well-being of Maurice and for being an advocate for his players, stuck his neck out there for Maurice Washington. And this is how he's being paid back by an individual that's not willing to be on time, 
make sound, responsible choices, be aware of the ongoing uh, perception of his name and the Nebraska football's reputation. Yeah, because it it took a hit with Maurice. Absolutely. Nationally. Um, And do you agree with that? Do you think there there are many college football coaches that if they were put in Scott Frost's situation, would they have kept him on the team? There was a time in which um, we learned more information regarding his legal situation where I said out loud to multiple people, he will never play another down of football at Nebraska. I was wrong. Well, yes, I agree with you that he would not have made it through what he's made it through at many programs across America. And remember, just getting Mo to campus was That's a right. lot of work. I remember he came that a couple first, of days before fall camp. And I remember specifically, uh, we only get like 20 minutes in there. And we, of course, we have to get a ton of video for our newscasts. So you took the offense, filming the offense. I took the defense, filming the defense. And I just remember us walking out of that first practice that we were able to film. And, and you were just like, wow. And you're so level-headed, Kevin. You know, you're so even keel. That, but you're just like, wow, Maurice Washington is a star, uh, um, playing like a star. And it's, it's unfortunate because I think we all see his talent and, and what he could be. Um, but it's, it's up to him, clearly, if, if he wants to uh, – wants to utilize that talent. Now, Maurice Washington, the football player, there were times as a freshman at Nebraska where he put your jaw on the floor, made some great moves, awesome in the open field. We every, Everybody knew he was a little bit uh, suspect to injury because his build, he, he's a leaner build, um, but he's very agile and uh, very explosive. I think back to the play he made against Iowa where he caught a wheel route and just like shot out of a can and nobody could catch him. And then he had a couple of runs earlier this season well, where he just showed his explosiveness. My favorite play of the year is the swing pass out to Washington against Colorado, and he just goes right down the sideline 80 yards right in front of and the no Nebraska one gained ground on him. And, and the fan base. So it, it's unfortunate. And, and I do see how the coaching staff could be very emotionally hurt by this. Because of the conversations they had with Maurice, and you got to believe at some point in time uh, that Maurice vocalized his commitment to the program and commitment to abiding by some of the rules, which clearly is not the way that this story is playing out. If you look at some of his numbers, and keep in mind, Maurice not only played on Nebraska's offense, kind of splitting time with Dedrick Mills, and they had a little bit of thunder, a little bit of lightning with those two guys in the backfield, but also he's utilized on special teams as a kickoff return man. And he always provided a little bit of danger there for the opposing team. You had to really think about which way he was going and which seam he was going to try to hit. But in the numbers in which they are right now, uh, as approaching the Indiana game, he's played in 18 games, started six times. His career rushing numbers are at 753. That's over 18 games, so he's at 41 a pop. But they used him to catch the football out of the backfield. He had 36 receptions and 18 games played. That's a pretty good number for an underclassman, and he averaged over 10 yards uh, per reception, over 20 yards receiving per game. So that's what they lose. And, yes, Wondell Robinson can pick up some of that slack, but just the fact that Maurice, you could run and receive, 
And I don't know that the depth is all that great at the IBAC spot. Dedrick Mills is nice to have. Wandell Robinson is nice to have. Hopefully Wandell is okay, and Scott Frost says that he will be. But then you look beyond those guys, and we're looking at Brody Belt and Wyatt Mazur and Ramir Johnson. Yeah, kind of moving on from Maurice and how they can help fill that void, so to speak. It's you, you, you look at it in the offense, even when it was almost fully healthy, was struggling. And each week, it seems like there's just another name that is missing from the offense. First, it was Adrian, then it's Wandale, and maybe JD, and now it's Maurice. So it's like, okay, where does the offense go from here? And not to mention the quarterback position, right? We're we talking don't... about the IBACs and the uncertainty there. Adrian, Noah, Luke McCaffrey. Yeah, we don't Did know. Did you notice Austin Allen? He had a soundbite on Monday where he was talking about running with the offense over the bye week. He didn't mention Noah Vedral. And maybe I'm reading too much into that. I know Adrian Martinez is trying to get back healthy, and they're not going to say if he's going to play or not. We've learned that about this coaching staff. But Austin Allen was talking about catching passes from Luke McCaffrey. Well, they're not going to rush Adrian back, I don't think. And, and that is the right call. Uh, you want to win now. Um, but if you can just buy more time for Adrian, a.k.a. getting through the Indiana and Purdue game, and maybe Adrian is ready to go. I don't know. I would guess probably not. Um, but if, if, if he comes out against Indiana and he's fully healthy, that's great. But if he is nicked up a little and you can make it through the Indiana and Purdue game with wins without playing Adrian and he gets that bye and then all of a sudden there's Wisconsin, Maryland, and Iowa on that backside, that's great too. Do you think Adrian plays on Saturday? We'll learn more as the week goes on, and we want to remind our listeners that we're recording this late Monday afternoon, and so we will learn more information as the week goes on, at least as to where he's at in his rehab. Is he practicing? Is he uh, just staying on the bike during practice? We don't know. What's your hunch? I don't know. I, I felt so strongly that he would not against Minnesota and but the bye week helps the in bi- terms of the, health. Yeah, the bye week helps, and, and we're not going to know. This coaching staff probably isn't going to tell us, just like they did against Minnesota, and the players know not to, not to leak anything out there. So if I had to say, I would say yes, but— You think he does? I, I, do, I don't know. I don't know Like, that he I'm does. not very confident. Yeah, I, I don't think that he Talk does. to me on Friday, and yeah. it'll probably be no. Right now, I, I say there's less than 50% chance that Adrian Martinez plays against Indiana. I think Noah Vedrill, and, and maybe it's going to be Andrew Bunch. Maybe it's going to be Luke McCaffrey. We will wait and see. But we have talked on multiple occasions, Dan, about how no matter the quarterback, they got to be able to block up front. And, you know, whether you have – Adrian Martinez or Joe Burrow. <laughs> you know, Joe Burrow is a different quarterback at LSU if he doesn't have guys up front protecting him. I think the time to pass for Nebraska uh, is pretty low. You know, the, the, if you were to clock how long these guys can sit in the pocket, and uh, it can really change uh, a quarterback and his efficiency if they don't have time to read a defense. You made a great point, Dan, before we came on the podcast here, that remarkably, through all these injuries, through the moving parts of personnel, Nebraska still ranks fourth in the Big Ten in rushing yardage. Yeah, I mean, because we have the stats. You, like, yeah, right. That is a shocking stat. I'm always. I'm going to continue to say this. If you if you want to win in college football and especially in the Big Ten, you got to be able to stop the run and you got to be able to run the ball. It's not. You're very a Big hard. Ten guy. I'm a Big Ten guy. And and you look at Nebraska, their rushing defense. It's 12th in the Big Ten, 95th in the country. And I'm like, okay, that definitely supports my point. But then you look in the rushing offense, and somehow 
They're ranked fourth in the conference and 40th nationally, which is not too bad, all things considered, this year. But the main reason why, as we, we dug in and did some, did some research, of course, the first, what, four games of the season, the offense was doing okay. Not it, the it, first game. If you take out South if Alabama. If you take out South Alabama, but Colorado, Illinois especially, Northern Illinois, the, the they offense, padded their stats. The there. offense looked good. And then the last three games, and of course Nebraska has scored seven points against Ohio State, scored 13 points against Northwestern, and scored seven points at Minnesota. Three touchdowns in three games. Yeah, it's taken a hit big time. Yeah. So they rushed for 238 against Northern Illinois, and against Illinois it was 345, if I can read there, 348. So yeah, those are the, the stat-padding games. And I will make this comment about the rushing totals and why they rank fourth in the Big Ten. If we were to go back and track the play-by-play logs of each game and we remove the quarterback run, what does that number look like? I think that's a very different number because I think a lot of these rushing totals are a result of Adrian or Noah Vedral scrambling. Well, and it makes sense because when you have to account for a quarterback run game, you lose one defender on defense, essentially. Yeah. And that's going to open up your running backs even more and open up your offense. So not only do, does the quarterback run game work for the actual quarterback running the ball, it helps the entire offense gain more yards. And so when you take out that, equa- that part of the equation, you get what Nebraska's offense has been the last three weeks. What's the mood going to be like on Saturday? Not only not from the team, but from the fans. There's going to be a week off. I don't quite know what the forecast will be on Saturday yet. We'll have to talk to our old buddy Ken Shimmick on you know what we can expect in terms of temperature. Will it rain, sunshine, all that stuff? What what what's the vibe going to be like around Memorial Stadium? It's a Saturday in the fall, Dan. Mm-hmm. Should be it, exciting. Maybe curious, but nervous. Nervous maybe, but the the leash is going to be short, and. and what I mean by that is if if things go wrong for Nebraska early, mm. the fan base is not going to be happy. You, you know you have those games where uh, the fan base is more patient and, and can see. Uh, but this one, it's like if, if Nebraska comes out and goes three and out and three and out and Indiana goes up 10 nothing, it feels like this could get really ugly. Like the first half of Scott Frost's first year, that's the fan patience you're speaking of. That there was a little bit right. more understanding and acceptance of some of the struggles. The leash was a little longer. Yeah. But now that we are, how many games into the Scott Frost era? It's 19. 19. And especially so, coming after, I, I think they're curious because Nebraska's coming off of bye week and they're coming off of getting their teeth kicked in in, in Minnesota. Indiana is a winnable game. And... <laughs> And Nebraska fans, even though on paper it looks like it's probably 50-50. And, in fact, Indiana is favored to win on Saturday. Say that again. Indiana is favored to win on Saturday okay, at Memorial what, what, Stadium. What did you say? So we are talking no, no, about No, say this. this again. Indiana is favored to win on Saturday. In Lincoln. In football. In the sport of football. I said, I said this is equivalent to telling Indiana basketball fans – that Nebraska is favored to win in Assembly Hall. And maybe there's a day when that comes, but Indiana, the basketball fan base, is so proud. It's such a rich tradition that we have Nebraska coming in our house, and they're favored? 
it's the same thing here, only flip-flop. And I don't think it's because Indiana is a world-beating team. They're a good team. If you, In fact, if you look at Indiana's numbers, because when you see that the Hoosiers are favored over the Huskers, you instantly say, what and how? Well, they're 5-2. and two. This is an Indiana team that's going to be playing for bowl eligibility in Lincoln on Saturday. Well, what do they, you th- And they have an offense that puts up 33 points per game. And the offense ranks among the Big Ten's best, averaging 450 yards per game. They're coached by Tom Allen, not Tim Allen, more power. He likes power, though. Uh, yeah. This is a pretty well-rounded offensive team from Indiana. And, it, and that is concerning, considering Nebraska's defense's leakiness. I don't know if that's a word or not, but they've looked very leaky. I hate that word, too. I'm sorry. They've looked leaky against multiple opponents this year, most specifically Minnesota, the last game you just played. You know how people— Oh, go ahead. You know how people hate the word moist? People don't like the word moist? Yeah. Like, I bet there's some people listening to this podcast right now that I said that. It makes makes them cringe. Why don't people like the word— When people talk about a leaky defense, that's when I'm like, ugh. Uh, Why don't people don't like know. the word moist? What's wrong know. with the word moist? <laughs> Stop saying it. So, okay, so Indiana is favored to win. Purdue at Purdue, if you're Vegas, that's probably a pick don't you think? We well, know Wisconsin. Well, we know what happens this week. Yeah. Purdue plays Illinois. Winnable yeah, and game. Purdue, and Purdue will probably win that. I mean, Illinois, they're, they can take the rest of the season off. Yeah, they had their crowning moment right Although, there. Although, they could make bowl eligible. Imagine that. If – now, this is worst-case scenario. It's possible. If Nebraska does not make a bowl game, and Illinois does. And Indiana. And Indiana. Whew. This is a realistic scenario, and it's a pretty crazy conversation. But if, if you have a few minutes, pull up the schedules. Uh, it gets a little bit tougher for Indiana down the road. It gets a little tougher for Illinois down the road. But there is a, a possibility in which that does happen. We like covering winning teams. The fan base, we all know that Nebraska fans – want to do as well as possible but for us specifically and I think fans will agree with us that beating Indiana and Purdue and then going into that bye week all of a sudden maybe the mindset starts to shift a little Wisconsin comes to town you know beat Indiana and Purdue you're at six and three and you're right back in the Big Ten West race assuming Minnesota loses a couple games which their schedule is really backloaded Penn State uh, Wisconsin Iowa they still have to play them you're right back into the Big Ten West race. I'm not saying you're going to win it, but like, you know, that, that could have a little spark for this season. But if you, you bring up the worst case scenario in losing both Indiana and Purdue, and you thought this by week Did I say they're, I didn't one, say they're going to lose say to that. Purdue. No, I didn't say, I, you didn't say that. I didn't say that. But if it happens, I don't know where that, you got is, that. that is worst case scenario. Your brain got a little moist there. Okay. Maybe a little leaky. (laughs) Well, that's the stage for this week. Nebraska plays Indiana. They're back at home. Keep in mind the Huskers haven't been at home since October 5th, which, oh, by the way, they lifted their kicker into the air because Lane McCallum hit a game winner um, against the Wildcats. So it's almost going to be, you know, it's it's a couple of weeks in there. So fans had time to load up on the tailgating supplies. The game starts at 2.30 afternoon contest at Memorial Stadium. You're pointing at me. Yeah, real fast, we, we buried the lead here. Nebraska wearing the alternate uniforms, the black ones. And Scott Frost <laughs> was asked, why now? What well, was his I, answer? I, well, he said, we're running out of home games. I, <laughs> I know the answer specifically. Wisconsin, 
You think Nebraska's defense will do too well that day? I don't think so. Iowa, I know their offense is struggling this year, but have you seen their uh, running game the last couple of years against the Blackshirts? So, yeah, it makes sense to wear it against Indiana. Yeah, and Scott Frost, this is unfortunate because Scott Frost said before the season when they showed everybody these new black alternate uniforms, he mentioned the possibility of wearing them multiple times if the defense is playing up to the Blackshirt standard. Now they're just – Having a hard time figuring one game to wear them, so this will be it. You know, uh, get ready to watch Nebraska in black on Saturday against uh, an Indiana defense that does put up some pretty good numbers. It's a 2:30 kickoff. It'll be on BTN, and of course, 10:11 will continue to monitor all things Nebraska football leading up to kickoff on Saturday as the Huskers return to action following a bye week. Few quick minutes here to talk about a few other Nebraska athletics programs. The Nebraska volleyball team coming off a 2-0 week looked very good on Saturday against Minnesota, and then when they were at home on Wednesday. Probably the best I've seen them play all season. That was in a four-set win over Purdue. You take out the set that they lost, which was competitive. They look really good, and a big reason for their uh, for their victory. Nebraska played Maryland on Saturday. I'm sorry. So the reason for the for the uptick in performance, in my opinion, Maddie Kubik. She's the Big Ten Freshman of the Week, and the Huskers really leaned on her offensively, which they hadn't done as much up to this point in this season. Well, I mean that that's great news that because it it seems like it continues to be a rotation of who can fill Michaela Fecky's shoes and it, it it feels like that one week it's going to be Lexi's son and then John Cook is asked about Lexi's son and her raising her game and he says, "Well, that's great because you know we're trying to fill these big shoes." And then the next week it's Maddie Kubik. So it, it's just nice that Nebraska is is um that uh, that they're able to kind of spread the wealth. And Jazz Sweet. Let's not leave her out of the discussion. And oh, by the way, as you're talking about the outside hitters, who's one of their most dominant hitters? Lawrence Stevens. And this slide play has become an absolute thing of beauty. That's where, for those of you that are uh, volleyball novices or not completely familiar with some of the lingo, you know, Nicklin Hames, the setter's in the middle of the court, and they slide Stiverance from the middle to the side, and it's a beautiful back set. And those two, the two captains, have developed an incredible chemistry. The timing on it is so awesome. And, yeah, you see that on the highlight reels regularly. We love watching it, and we know that it's an instant highlight. When yeah, it and it's, a, it's an instant highlight, and it's guaranteed a great celebration from those two. So that's the table for Nebraska volleyball coming off two wins, and then they play again this week as well. We'll quick give a mention to the Nebraska men's basketball program. Got to sit down with a lot of players on Monday, just get to know their stories. There's a lot of learning to do with Fred Hoiberg's team, not just with the coaching staff, but with the players. Dan, I know we had a great time. This is that's a fun bunch. A lot of the guys we don't know because they've all transferred in or they're uh, freshmen on campus. They have a lot of personality, and they had us laughing a couple of times. Oh, we really were dying, good. yeah. I mean, because we kept asking them who has the harder name to pronounce, Thor Year, Thor Bjornsson, or Ivan Ivan Wedraogo. And so most of them didn't even know, like, their last names. They're like, yeah, I looked at it, and, like, that's too many letters, and we just call this guy that guy. And so Ivan who was from France, also lived in Africa. Ivan is spelled Y-V-A-N, and his last name is Wedraogo, and it is so difficult for his teammates to pronounce Wedraogo, and some of them don't even know what his last name really is. They call him Navy, 
And we were very curious, why do you call him Navy? Well, it's Ivan spelled backwards. So instead of saying Wedraogo in our sportscasts, we will call him, just like his teammates will, Navy. And Gervais Green, really, just real fast, the one that one player that st- stood out to us, I think both of us, was Gervais Green. He's a blast. Loves to smile. Nebraska fans are going to love him. And he came out for their scrimmage, the open scrimmage at Pinnacle Bank Arena a few weeks ago. They each got a quick song to play as they were introduced. He picked I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Anybody who chooses Whitney Houston as a walkout (laughs) song is okay in my book. Oh, really? Absolutely. Whitney Houston. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yes, I'm giving you a look of judgment. Now, yeah, all right, well, that's fine. I know people will side with me on this because Whitney's awesome. R.I.P. All right, that's the In Report podcast for this week. Nebraska, Indiana, Saturday, 2.30 p.m. with Dan Corey. I'm Kevin Suits. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the In Report podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app. This is an alert from your Stay up to date during severe weather season with push notifications from the 1011 Now Weather app. Download the 1011 Now Weather app for free today.